GateWorld.net presents part one of an exclusive audio interview with David Hewlett, Dr. Rodney McKay of Stargate Atlantis. For GateWorld.net, I am David Reed, and I am on the telephone with Mr. David Hewlett, who is trying to get through Christmas as best he can. How are you doing, David? The Davids, the Davids are surviving, it seems. Yeah. Yes, we are getting there. <laughs> I keep being asked to sort of, you know, just say something for the fans for Christmas, and it usually goes something like, bah humbug. <laughs> and I just leave it at that, you know. Here's a dime, go buy a turkey, you know. <laughs> um, production on season three has wrapped earlier this year. What are your thoughts looking back? It was a killer McKay season. Mm-hmm. It, it was just, season three was like, you know, the, you know, not season of the witch. It was like season of McKay. It was, it, he just seemed to be everywhere doing everything all the time. Mm. We're, the scheduling was very funny because I was like, I would sort of, you, you tend to sort of look ahead and sort of try to plan some kind of a life, um, which I should know by now to give up on. But, um, and just get a sense of, you know, what days you're going to be working, what days you're going to be working hard, what days you got. And I was literally, there, were, there, was, there was a couple of episodes where I was scheduled for eight days out of a six-day shoot. You're kidding. So they're already two days into the next episode, and I'm still shooting, like, second unit stuff for, for, the, for the episode before. So, Good um, grief. That said, it was, they were definitely some of the, some of the most fun I've ever had doing, doing episodes in, in the past. I mean, I've, got, I've done everything from superpowers to, to splitting into double personalities to sisters to, you know, you know to, we did everything in season, in season three. Kaleidoscope of McKay. Exactly. I, in fact, I'm, I'm a little concerned that maybe next year McKay might just, just be at home <laughs> doing nothing. Because <laughs> they've, they, they've pretty well covered me. I don't know what else they could possibly do to me. I'm waiting to become a replicator, and then I'm really screwed. <laughs> what do you feel uh, were some of your most powerful performances this year? And what would you have liked to make better, if given more time? Wow. Um, most powerful performance... Is, is probably just trying to be polite in the morning when I'm still not awake. That's, probably, that's when the best acting happens, <laughs> trying to care what happened to people the night before when it's 6 o'clock in the morning and they want you in makeup and hair. Um, uh, I, think, I think definitely one of the, the most, well, the, without a doubt, the most challenging uh, episode for me on that was, was McCann and Mrs. Miller. It's the first time you did split screen. The split screen thing. And in the computer-controlled camera stuff is unbelievably technical like i've always sort of considered myself a fairly technical actor like you know i've been doing it long enough that i sort of get a sense of roughly how to hit your mark and all that kind of stuff people will tell you otherwise i'm sure but in my books that's you know the, the technical side of it to me is, is is one of those things i sort of pride myself on mm-hmm. and uh and that will throw you for a loop so quickly you literally go into robot mode you have to hit the right marks at the right time say the right lines at the right timing they play back the lines that you've just said to yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have to get your timing right. Um, and uh, so the first day was just like, I was, I was just ready to, you know, I went to Martin Wood and I was like, this, this, you got to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> and then once, once I'd sort of got a sense of it, because again, as I, I, I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. Once I got the sense of it, I kind of started enjoying it because you start thinking like, well, who else, you know, you know, the opportunity of working with David Hewlett comes along so rarely. Uh-huh. 
you know, I get to play, <laughs> I get to, uh, I get to play opposite, opposite myself, so I can't really complain about it. And maybe somewhere in there you'll get to act a little bit, you know, instead of just hitting, exactly. hitting marks. But, well, that's the funny. Yeah, you sort of forget, like, at, at some point you sort of go, oh, my God, like, this is supposed to sound like I, I, I mean it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking to a, a tennis ball with a little, mm-hmm. you know, the crew is nice enough to put a little smiley face on. <laughs> and um, and you got your little sister there looking at you because it's her first experience on Stargate. And she just, she, she met with like the grumpiest McKay you could ever, you could ever come across. <laughs> um, and she was sweet. You know, she'd come up and said, I can't believe you can do that. I was like, shut up and go away. <laughs> Jane so, may, have, may have told you about my film that I, that I did for my final yeah, and now what's, I'm, I'm curious about this. What's the, the deal on that? It took months of planning, and we sat down, and one of the scenes that we were going to do was split screen. But right. I don't have any computer-controlled cameras, so any time we did a split screen, we had to lock the camera down. Right, and it was right. one of the most difficult things that I have ever attempted. Well, that's the classic way of doing it, right? I mean, that's the old, you know, the, the old-school way of, of, of... And it can be incredibly effective. And we yes. use some of that in the show as well. Yes. I mean, um, as long as you is, keep the distraction going. Right. Right. Well, and eyelines. The biggest thing is eyelines. Because mm-hmm. that's the killer. If mm-hmm. you're off just even a tiny bit, you're like, who's he talking to? Mm-hmm. Exactly um, right. And even sometimes if you don't even notice, sometimes it's not even a, notice, a noticeable, like, oh, they're not looking at him. It's just that sense of where they are. Right. Like, the hardest thing for me was, like, when you're acting as one of the roles, is remembering all the time where the other character is. Right. Especially with Martin Wood is, like, he's such a bastard. He's always moving <laughs> the camera, right? <laughs> So, and it's, it's like he went out of his way to move it more during this one to sort of, there's lots of little sort of, little, little sort of camera trickery things where you, right. where you, it can't be two people. Oh, yes, it is. You know, that kind right. of stuff. Right. I discovered that myself, you know, we were, we were doing some long shots and I decided to take advantage of like depth of field. But with, with something like McCain and Mrs. Miller, far more sophisticated, far, uh, actually have a budget, you know. Mm. It was much better than anything we could have done. <laughs> you know what, though? It's so much fun, though, because, I mean, I think half the fun of film, and when, when we can do everything digitally, and you see this mm-hmm. a lot in the big movies anyways, when you can do everything, there's, there's still something about uh, optical effects. Mm-hmm. There's something slightly more real to mm-hmm. me about optical effects. You're I mean, right. The digital stuff is fantastic, brilliant, you know, and, and when used sparingly, you know, perfect. But the, 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 there's something about being forced to... Uh, you, uh, Sam Raimi said this. He'd just done Darkman. He'd just finished doing all of his Evil Dead movies. Mm-hmm. And he, um, you know, Evil Dead, they were made for nothing. Uh, Darkman was like his, his, big, his big budget film. And he's like, all those years doing, doing the Evil Dead movies, it's like, you need to get someone to fly. You're like, well, okay, where can we put some, some like, ropes? Or we don't have ropes, so right. can he just sort of hold himself here? Right. All the ways of working around stuff. Then Darkman, they go, we need someone to fly. And he's like, great. Uh, go build a flying machine. And, you know, and millions of dollars later they come back and they've got something that may or may not work or, you know, whatever. So uh-huh. it, I loved how sort of, uh, uh, you know, smart and, and, and the, all the, the, the way the sort of the, the it's, it becomes a logic puzzle when you have no money. Uh-huh. Right. And I, and I really, I truly believe that it leads to better filmmaking. I mean, right. there's, there's an honesty to that kind of stuff. Like, even if technically your stuff doesn't doesn't pull off as well as computer you know controlled cameras and all that all that nonsense, the reality is if the intention is there and the and the um, um, uh, and there's an honesty to it, I think that people will forgive. And the well, simplest you know. explanation usually equals the better one. You know, if you try to yeah, go exactly. fancy, it may not work. And you know what? And mistakes 
mistakes are the most beautiful things on film. But the <laughs> biggest thing I learned when in making in making Dog's Breakfast was 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 that you know those little fortuitous accidents are the things that that all of a sudden just make a scene. They sell the make movie. A shot. Right. You know, you're screwed for time, and you're like, what the hell? The hell are we going to shoot? You know, well, you've seen the film. I mean, yep. how the hell are you going to shoot a scene where the where we have three scenes to shoot, and we've got an hour to do it? You know, all of a sudden it becomes one scene, and it's shot inside and outside, and then you've you've done your you know you shot three scenes. Yeah, but in that timing, you know, that timing issue where things are tight, it's amazing how something will will come out to make that sequence so much more real than had ever been put on script. Right. So. Well, that's I think I think the biggest thing I've, I've worked with many different types of directors, and um, and went into this thinking like, oh my god, you know, I'm just assuming I can do this. I have no idea if I can or not. The my the the biggest thing for me was just like, you know what? When things go wrong, you solve them. That's mm. it. You can't possibly hope to 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 um, uh, to have plans for every possible. Um, outcome. You just have to. You just have to sort of laugh and go. Okay, what do we do instead? Mm-hmm. You know? You're right. So you're right. Back to McCain, Mrs. Miller. Uh, when when we met you on set, you mentioned concern about playing a cool McKay. Was it indeed difficult to play hip for once instead of the geek? I mean, by your own admission, you are more comfortable with McKay as he currently stands. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I've always been. I always get nervous with the. Uh, you know. Anytime I have to play suave, it's all, it's all, I'm, I'm, I'm far more nervous about that than, than, uh, than nerdy because, you know, I think for years and years and years, I played cool. I, I, that was my, when I was a kid growing up acting, uh, from ages like 18, anything you see from me playing from like about 18 to, you know, 26, I played, you know, the, the cool, but slimy, you know, uh, drug dealer or the, you know, or the, you know, the, the bully at school and all these, like, <laughs> like which is ridiculous because I was, like, pencil thin and the most, un, you know, un, un, un-terrorizing looking individual. But, but um, uh, and the, the, the best realization I had as an actor was suddenly going, wait a second, I, I'm not, I can drive around on motorcycles, I can wear leather boots and all that kind of stuff, and, and, but the reality is I'm just not cool. There yeah. is, I'm just not a cool person. And getting rid of that was the most, was the coolest experience for me because all of a sudden it's like you just, you are who you are. If you can walk into a room and you trip and fall or you spill a drink down your front, you, you know, you can either get angry and, and fight it and, and, you know, or you can just go, that's me. <laughs> Make it a part of the character. That's it. So, so the, 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 um, the Rod character, originally, I actually originally wanted to go even cooler with him. But really? I think... A lot of the uh, 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 Martin, the Martins were, were concerned about it, about it sounding like, uh, um, about it, it being too sort of forced, I think. You don't want to be, right. you know, but I really, I wanted to go, I wanted to go like full on, like Flanagan meets, meets Jason Momoa kind of, <laughs> you know, like a deeper voice and a, and, you know, so, and all that kind of stuff, but that just needed to be because the weird thing is that he is a cooler version of McKay. He's still not, you know, he's still not the fawn. Yeah, he's still McKay, and right? He's still, an, he's just he, you know what he's, he's less a cooler version of, of of McKay than he is just a nicer version of McKay, right? Or a secure version of McKay. Maybe. That's a good way to put it. You're right. You know, you're right. I mean, where McKay has all those insecurities, in a strange way, Rod is 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 like is like me discovering that it's okay to be not cool. 
You know, whereas <laughs> McKay is still trying to be, frantically trying to be cool in his own way. In his own little way. You know, without, without realizing what a complete, you know, nerd and idiot he's making mm-hmm. himself on many occasions. Mm-hmm. We talked with Kate, as, as you know. Uh, well, don't believe a word she said. <laughs> the woman's a liar. I'm not even convinced she's related. We, apparently, we have hewlettisms. That's what the, yep. um, Garrow called them. Yes. We have certain hewlettisms that would, would, means that we will, be, we will be doomed to play brother and sister for the, the rest of <laughs> How was it working with Kate on, on Stargate? I mean, you've already worked with her in A Dog's Breakfast. It, it was such a treat because having done, well, Dog's Breakfast, part of the reason, you know, other than just the fact that, that Kate's a, a, a very good actress, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, part of the reason for putting her in Dog's Breakfast was I really wanted to give her an opportunity to have something to do that, that the Stargate people might end up seeing. Okay. Because I thought, you know, it's not going to hurt that she's got a, a feature film on, or two under her belt right. you know, by the time she came in to sort of start auditioning for, for you know, because you know, I just assumed that at some point she would be able to audition for, for, for Stargate, um, sort of hopefully. They, they, they don't mean to make it sound sort of conniving, but it just, it just seemed smart. Right. You know? You're right. And, You're right. Um, and frankly, you know, like, like her brother, she's very cheap. So um, <laughs> you know, we could get her, we got her on the, on, on the, on the dog pretty quick uh, without having to pay her that much. But, um, <laughs> uh, but the problem with the dog's breakfast was I, I was obviously rather preoccupied. Mm-hmm. Because I had to direct, you know, to direct, and there was we're still working on the script, and and uh, and of course the, there was that acting side of stuff as well, mm-hmm. you know, and wrangling the dog, and, and just the general things that go along with 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 sort of making the film. I mean, obviously Jane looked after anything I didn't uh, uh, I didn't get to, um, although actually she pretty well handled everything. Come to think of it, um, <laughs> uh, not not the directing <laughs> or the acting. I hear her. Well, <laughs> life was looked after for for me by by Jane at that at that point. Um, so it was it. In the scenes where I didn't have too, too much of the of the Rod McKay stuff going on, it was just really nice to act with Kate. Like for example, my favorite scene with Kate uh, it was was it was uh, it was Flanagan, Kate, and myself at the very end there. Yes. Um, and it was just one of those scenes where, you know, I think it was near the end of the shoot. Actually, I don't think there was much more of Rodney stuff, uh, Rod stuff to do. Right. Martin saved um, that. What was that? Martin saved that that whole scene about with. Uh... Uh, letters from Pegasus. Yeah. He saved that till the end. Is that was is that on purpose? Yes, he did. Oh, good for him. No, it's, it it worked out nicely because there was a sort of a sense of relief because I was like, oh, thank God. I mean, because you know, the, well, you saw it. It is mm-hmm. pages and pages. I mean, I do all the talking half the time, anyways. <laughs> I, I was now doing the other half as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was just such a relief to go in and get to act with Kate and, and of course, tease her mercilessly. Um, <laughs> you know, because she, she had the first, she did the, the first time she did the scene, she, like, totally, like, broke down. It was like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, she's good. Right, she'd I never guess, seen that before, the clip. Well, it's, it, she, she'd never seen the clip before, and, I, right. I, you know, and, and it was just, she was, a, you know, she's an emotional wreck. Anyway. But, um <laughs> And uh, and it was just kind of, and I, I think she, as she said, I, I don't know, she probably said this to you, but but it was she said to me, and I thought it was kind of cute. She said, I just kind of got caught up in the whole thing. I was like, here we are, like working together on a TV show, and you know, it was just kind of, just kind of a nice thing. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, so that was kind of, of course, Kate. I don't know if she told you, the the first take she did, she started crying and she got embarrassed and dropped out of frame. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, we. They're like, and cut, and I'm like, yeah, Aww. good instincts there, Kate. 
<laughs> like yeah. you're doing this brilliant little piece of acting, and then you disappear out of the uh, out of the shot for it. Right. It's a it's a it's a tricky balance. It's one of the things that I always wonder about. You know, when you when you do something that's unexpected on a take, you know, if you can hold it together, they may be able to save it, and that may be the best one there is. But that's you have to keep all your ducks in a row. It, it's. It's a, you sort of you walk a fine line. I do a lot of. I mean, if, if if things are going really badly, I will I will goof around because it often just it's very easy to build up a lot of tension on set, mm-hmm. and the the set itself can get very tense. And I think, in a strange way, one of the actors' jobs is to, I think, is is to is to keep things moving and keep things light. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously not when they you know when they need to be dark, they need to be dark, but but. But I mean, there's. I think there is a responsibility as an actor. You can come on the set as an actor and 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 sort of exude this kind of. Uh, you can either exude tension, or you can come in and 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 relax. Right. You know, there are some actors who walk on set, and you can feel, you know, you can feel the crew getting a little tense about stuff, and and yeah, um, what's this guy sure. got up his butt? Yeah, exactly. Well, and what to do and what to say, and you know, and. And there are other people who come in, and it's just there's just this great sense of sort of warmth, and people are happy to be there. Mitch Pileggi is a, is, is a perfect example. So mm-hmm. A guy who comes on set, he plays the biggest assholes on the planet, but <laughs> on set he's just it's just you know he's just this fantastic personality to have around. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean most actually, most of our actually I would say all of our cast <laughs> like they're 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 just a, they're you know it's you get the odd the odd guest star now and again that's terrifying, but you know it's. You know the 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 cast themselves are are really are really pretty good about uh, about keeping things nice and light. Well, I'd probably get more tense than anyone else. <laughs> well, I think it's just a shining example that RDA's model holds true to its form. You know, and it's something that's continued. RDA's very good at that. Yeah, it's true. He's. I mean, it's it's. Um, and you know what? I think you do yourself a disservice to come in too uptight too, because you you well uptight. I can't I can't I can't uh, I, I can't get rid of that. But um, it, there's there's a the camera picks up everything. Mm-hmm. The camera picks up stuff that you don't see yeah. in person. Um, and and I think there's a looseness that you need to to for, to forget that the camera's there. Yeah. Um, that really really helps the performance. If you get the sense that people are playing to camera or or, or, or hamming it up for the camera, or, you know, even just aware of it, it, uh, it can ruin a scene. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's usually best to just, it, the more relaxed you can be in front of the camera, and thus around the camera, the better, I think. Let's uh, move on to a fan question here from mm-hmm. The Zyme. I think I pronounced that right. The XYM. <laughs> what is it? How is it spelled? T-H-E-X-Y-M. Nice. The, uh, what particular scene interaction has been the most personally and professionally satisfying for David Hewlett, the actor? Or, which scene do you feel gives the most insight into the inner workings of David Hewlett, the person? Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> Boy, they're not holding any punches there. Huh? Um, I think... I think, uh... McKay-wise, there's two, there's two things we've about. Obviously, the first one is the one we've just been talking about, the one with, with, uh, with, with Kate. Mm-hmm. Kate and and, uh, and Joe and myself at the end of McKay and Mrs. Miller, just because it's a it's a side of McKay you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. There's two there's two episodes that do that I think in season three. Tower of Rodney, the Tower of Rodney, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because the Tower of Rodney, the 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 Tower of Rodney, I gotta start saying that right. It is Dow, isn't it? <laughs> um, the whole point of that script was to break down the McKay character, and and make him, you know, and and see how he ticks. 
Wasn't that refreshing? That was something was I was great. waiting for. It was it was fantastic because and it's unfortunate it's actually that because it was running long we actually missed there was a scene with um, with Paul McGillian mm. that we didn't uh, that we didn't we didn't end up shooting which which I was really disappointed that we didn't do because I was like just shoot it anyways we put it on the DVDs or something exactly um, but because I really get to connect with all of the mm-hmm. characters in a way that McKay's never done before um, mm-hmm. the stuff with I thought the stuff with Joe is like. And again, improves how funny Joe can be. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I mean, Joe is the best straight man you can have, you know, on, on something like this. He's just fantastic at just, you know, he just sits there and just keeps that, keeps that completely nonplussed face, mm-hmm. you know, as you, as you, you know, ramble and rant and, and babble and, you know, and then he'll just like, again, it's that sort of RDA thing of just being able to just knock in those lines. Right. And, uh, um, you know, so that stuff was great to, to do. The stuff with Tori I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Because you got Weir and McKay on this whole other level that they've never really dealt with before, you know what I mean? Like he sort of, he starts hinting at this kind of love thing going yeah, on. Yeah, like, tr- like a, a sex object or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's just kind of neat. So, so there was just, that was definitely, I think without a doubt, um, you know, that, would, that is the most about... I think that's that's the most you're ever going to find out about McKay. Well, I think one of the th- I think you hit it on the head there. One of the things I think is interesting with uh, that episode is the focus on utilizing McKay uh, not as he currently is, mm. but going out of his way to utilize the character in ways that he is uncomfortable with spirituality, yeah. friendship. Well, and that's and that's the nature of the, the nature of drama is is you know is is tension mm-hmm. is is uh, you know conflict right so. Mm-hmm. You don't want people in, in, in comfortable situations. I mean, again, okay, that, there's another one that I, that I absolutely love is, uh, is, the, is the one with Ronan, the scene with Ronan. Right. Uh, like, that's just, to me, that's just, that's like just, that's beautiful sci-fi. To me. We needed that. Right. You know, you do, because, you know, the, the, poor old Jason, I mean, he gets, when he gets an episode, it's not, it's more about his history than it is about himself, if that makes sense. And the reality is, I mean, the guy... The guy studies. The guy studies films. He's watch, mm-hmm. He watches films all the time. <laughs> like old classics. Looks at actors. Looks at acting. Looks at you know. It's you know. It's it's nice to do scenes with him, mm-hmm. where he's not having to you know shoot and be cool. You know? Well, and we were expecting that scene ever since Satita with the scene between you and Paul, where where Beckett asked you, "Have you even talked to the man? Exactly. Have you even sat down with him?" And We're buddies. Yeah. So so. Buddies. It's like the cool by association thing for McKay. <laughs> Um, but now for character, for char- most like Hewlett, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, I think the most like Hewlett, you pr- I probably have to go back to um, uh, to Grace Under Pressure. Okay. Because the neat stuff about about Grace Under Pressure was to me it was just like was actually being able to act like a human, not like a hero. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. Was just I I think I again <laughs> I think you put me in that situation, and I would. I would not be able to solve any of the things that McKay can solve, but my reaction to those situations would be very similar to that. This sort of combination of complaining and mm-hmm. feeling sorry for yourself and then sort of having to sort of, you know, buck up, little soldier, we've got to fix this. And that's a real yeah. compliment to Martin Garrow. It is. I, well, Garrow, Garrow's, like, it's so funny because Garrow's not really a science fiction writer. Mm. I mean, he's on a science fiction show writing science fiction, yes, but, but his, you know, his strength and his interest is in character. Mm-hmm. Well, I look mean, at what he's uh, writing right now. <laughs> well, look at the movies. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, that is only about the characters. 
and the characters without clothes on. Yeah. But, um, you know, or more so. Um, but, but that's, you know, the nature of sci-fi is nature. Sci-fi, like anything else, is, it's all about the character. I mean, Firefly. Firefly, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a science fiction show, but I almost forget that compared to the characters you're dealing with. You right. Know? Exactly. You're right. So, so there you go. I think I, think I covered, I think I covered, uh, uh, what's your name again? <laughs> the Zyme. I'm just calling him the Zyme. Zyme. <laughs> all right. Dobrý den, tady David Nikol, tady GateWorld.net, váš průvod se světem hvězdné brány. Wormhole disengaged.